I had to stitch this shit together. <laughs> Do you really? I kind of don't, but still. <laughs> listener and welcome back to the downloadable concept podcast this is episode 26 the solitary man who devoted his soul to the way of games today he comes again it's talon lee what no I, i'm not ready for this responsibility <laughs> those who do not play maturely he questions them deep inside their hearts it's jeb wrench sweet sweet you're so sweet <laughs> and those who do not immerse themselves to the extreme in gaming will find their bodies beaten harshly i am fox lee Sigatar Setra was a hardcore motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, though, those lyrics. Those who are as nerdy as the rest of us may uh, have noticed that this week's opening was a tribute to the greatest of gaming mascots, Sigatar Sanshiro. The greatest superhero who ever lived. (laughs) Makes you think. (laughs) Yes, he would Judah flip this podcast without a second thought. (laughs) He would kick Kevin Butler's ass. (laughs) I want to see that. And I like Kevin Butler. He would still completely kick his ass. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, Nintendo, I know you're listening. <laughs> Sega to Sanchiro for Smash Brothers. Hell yes. They've pretty much joined this club now with their wacky puppet presentations. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Sony has Kevin Butler. Nintendo has the, uh, the, the Muppets. Iwata puppets. <laughs> Um, Sega can bring back Sega to Sanchiro. I'm just saying, Microsoft, you guys are letting the team down. <laughs> Let's face it, Larry Herb is not on the level. <laughs> oh, some guy just is master chief. I <laughs> no, no, my, Microsoft's Microsoft's guy is just this middle aged guy. Microsoft <laughs> does technically have good access to Pete Molinier. <laughs> <laughs> Beat Molyneux could very effectively be promoted to advertising <laughs> Muppet. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Hey, Fox. I can just bring him out and he'll be like, it'll be in real time. <laughs> we make a game where you can give birth to an actual child. <laughs> With motion give birth to an actual Give birth to an actual Muppet. Analyze your facial features through Connect and reinterpret them into a Muppet child. He'd do that. That's not weird at all. He'd totally do that. That that, that sounds very bait. You're not on Pete's level yet, I'm afraid. (laughs) Hey, Fox. My Muppet is growing in real time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want a Munchlax puppet so bad now. Why don't I have one? That's so... That just wants to exist. It's basically Muppet-shaped head to begin with. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> All right. Third try. Hey, Fox, what you Quick, been... Jeb, quick, interrupt him. <laughs> He's almost gotten the words out. Hey, Jeb, what you been playing? <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing interrupt talent while he tries to, tries to record the podcast. <laughs> By the way, listener, I, this, this isn't some special event. We're not uh, we're not dealing with some particular problem, or it's not late at night. We're just like this, apparently. Hey, Fox. It's three o'clock funny somewhere. What have you been playing? Nothing. I thought that's why you skipped a jab. I, I will. Uh. Okay, Did this, you not know this? Hey, Talon, what have I you have, been playing? This week I have devoted myself to extreme ebay auction listing because they have a pile of crap in my house and not enough money oh yeah uh, and some of the games from the ps2 era that we're getting rid of are kind of amazing it's it's wonderful 
Yes, it uh, turns out the, the friend who gave me his N64 to sell. I don't know if people still buy those on eBay, but we'll find out. Has basically the greatest hits N64 collection. Yeah. He's got like, what do we got? Star, Star Fox 64, Ogre Battle 64, Ocarina of Time, uh, Mario 64. What else was there? Blast Core. GoldenEye. Yeah, like just all of the ones that you name when you're like, ooh, yeah, that's what I would have had on the 64. It's a shame that shipping from Australia costs more money than God. Yeah, yeah and the 64 is, is not a lightweight console. No. It's not, it's not a small thing. <laughs> Looks like a Duplo brick. Though I did did uh, poke into the value of shipping a Wii to Canada. Well, a Wii is light, at least. Yeah, it's more than the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like... Wow, really? Yeah. It, the Wii around here is like $39 oh, to $40. There's like a thing where you can... Um, $39 to $40? <laughs> yes, so, there's so, a range of a dollar. You wouldn't want to <laughs> overstate that, you know, give the impression there's no variance. But uh, yeah, they, they only sell the, the remade one that doesn't have Wi-Fi, don't they? The, the little tiny slim one. They In America, they sell a version of the Wii that doesn't have virtual console. Otherwise, no, no, they, no in, in America, they, they still sell actual honest-to-God Wiis, but in Canada, they don't. Otherwise, in Canada, they discontinued it. That said, haven't they almost shut down the store for that anyway? I have no idea. Still, the virtual console would be, to to my snooty opinion as a consumer, the Wii is a console with some good games on it, but the virtual console is oh, the yeah. reason to get it. And they, they have not uh, made most of those titles available on the Wii U virtual console yet. Yeah. They've done a bunch of GBA stuff, but that's just kind of unfortunate, because, you know, GBA stuff should be on the handheld, really. Mm. Also, the like the Wii Mini doesn't doesn't play uh, GameCube discs. Ooh, extra boo! That's the reason I still have my Wii, actually, because uh, I, I have certain extremely expensive <laughs> PAL region GameCube discs that I really want to be able to play still. Just a uh, thought, by the way, Wonder Boy three on the three DS. <laughs> just a simple port. You're suggesting a two just screen a port. game. Okay. Is it? It can be. It could be very easily done as a two-screen game. Yeah. What'd you put at the bottom? Uh, not your, just a map, hopefully. Your inventory and, gu- and junk. Oh yeah, inventory is always a good choice. Please don't put your junk on the second screen. It's <laughs> <laughs> not very effective stylus. We also found if that you could fit your junk on the second screen of the 3DS, you might have a problem. <laughs> we also found that our friend, or a friend of our friend, or a girlfriend of our friend, may have bought a game called Trapped, which mm-hmm. is. Oh! A very odd thing. I, when I saw that, I thought it was this game that had recently been spoken about, which is about playing this, like, psycho dominatrix building a dungeon to murder people. Um, but it turns out, no, this is just the same thing that was done considerably earlier. It's like a, a, a 2005 game where you play a lingerie-clad princess trying to construct an elaborate dungeon to kill the adventurers that try to come and rescue you. And torture. Yeah. Just, that's a thing? Yeah. Yep. I'll take five. <laughs> not something I have had the urge to unwrap and try out, I must say. I, 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 like, listener, I know you're younger than I am, so you don't know what video rental is, but it does bring to mind the image of the kind of people, like, buying that game. I imagine that game was really, I think that game was really good for sales, because you would never buy that game. You would buy, like, five games and try to hide that one in the middle. And if you didn't like it, you would never return that game. Yeah. You've got the brown paper bag. <laughs> you've got the collar on your coat turned up all the way. You've got a great, you got a broad brim to add on. Well, that, that's how it was when you were renting the 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 rape the was the erotic event sorry the uh, the erotic thriller movies. Porn. Well, no, no, not porn. 
porn, you've actually got some honesty to it. The erotic thrillers are the sort of things with, you know, ostensibly oh, yeah. a plot. Oh, We've Skinamax movies. some kind of plot in here. So Skinamax movies. Exactly. Rent it at a video store. Exactly. And when you rented it, you was, there was always this sort of, oh, yes, I'll be, I'll, I'll be having Dances with Wolves and the Care Bear movie. And, oh, oh, what's this? I've accidentally picked up this. Well, you might as well ring it up anyway. Teach me a lesson for being so thoughtless with the videos I picked up. Tut, tut, tut. Silly me. This is why lady porn is carefully designed to appear to be like the Dances of Wolves part of that equation. <laughs> like, Legends of the Fall has a lot of naked bad pit in it, if you happen to look. I'm just saying. And, uh, Jeb, what have you been playing lately? I've played Watch Dogs. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> hmm. You thought you thought that after Assassin's Creed Four, you thought you thought after the pirate game, you thought maybe maybe it's not so bad. That's how they get you. It's a, it's a gateway. <laughs> like maybe even if the guys are jackass, the gameplay might be quite fun. It's like, well, you know, they they showed me that they knew how to, how to actually make video games with Assassin's Creed Four, then they forgot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so it, it's really as bad as we kind of assumed it would be. Uh, <laughs> Aiden Pierce controls like a drunken hobo <laughs> who's trying to stand up on a ship. Wow. That's in the middle of capsizing. How do you fuck that up? They, I, they fuck up walking. I've seen him you, list while walking down the street, and I always assume that was the, someone thumbing the controller wheel. No. 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 He he, he, he's, he he handles like a shopping cart. <laughs> Just kind of veers to the left, veers to the right. Wow. Never moves straight, ever. That is a That is a very odd choice of... Why, why do you do that? The cars don't drive very well. <laughs> do they also just veer to the left and veer to the right? They they, they oversteer. All right. I, I think I know what that means. I, I did watch a little Top Gear one time. <laughs> it means that you, you, you turn a little bit and the car goes a lot of it. <laughs> D- disclaimer for the listener. Talon and I don't drive. We have never driven, in fact. I, I had my L's one time. And I had some lessons. That's as close as either of us has gotten. In the context of Watch Dogs, the hyper control, the over, the over control of the turn reminds me the way you're describing it of the sort of thing we tried to get in FPSs. Like you <laughs> want that ability to whip around real quick and it teaches you to make very, very minor adjustments with your mouse, but that's with your mouse. <laughs> so FPSs are still kind of shit hard to play on control sticks, right? I, that's, that's a whole set of skills I don't want to talk about right now. Okay. There's a, there's part of the tutorial as you chasing someone in the car. You can imagine how much fun this is. It's not. I was playing it and, uh, I managed to get the, the person I was chasing to smack into the, to, to run into a, into a a traffic jam and just, you know, crash his car into several other cars. And it was stuck against, uh, stuck against like a a panel truck. (laughs) And I pulled up my car beside him and I get, you know, I figure, okay, I guess I, Get out of my car and and you know kick him. You know it's not. A, <laughs> How do you win a car chase? Really? How do you not win I mean, a car he's not, chase by he's not the moving anymore? He's not moving anymore. But I, I get to him, and that's when the game had scheduled to have the prompt for hiding in your car. No, oh, <laughs> so the only thing I could do was hide in my car. I was stuffed beside him, <laughs> hiding in my car <laughs> until the AI managed to figure out a way to get his car away from the panel truck and keep going. Holy shit. And then eventually I reached the point where the game decided it was okay to have the foot chase begin. Uh. 
Well, that that is some excellent open world player directed uh, game experience design. <laughs> nice work. Watch, Do- Watch Dogs is uh, basically Grand Theft Auto for the remastered edition. <laughs> yeah, Isn't because Grand-, Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto Four also has heavy scripting and. Uh, doesn't let you do things the way you want to in missions. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, there's yeah, a, GTA was usually good for that. GTA, GTA 4 is a bit of an right. exception. GTA 4 is also uh, the one where they tried to go with basically the grim, you know, PTSD-driven war uh, war a refugee storyline. Where they line. totally forgot that they are hilarious when they're trying to take themselves seriously. Yeah, it didn't go so well. There's, there's, a, there's a, a section in GTA 4 where you're, of course, doing a car chase. And partly through the car chase, you know, this bus runs through the intersection, drives to the intersection and nearly hits you, which, and it looks, you know, really cool. A friend of mine did this section and he slowed down going to the intersection. Yeah. And the bus also slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> See the strings. <laughs> I'm just so imagining I- how the final cinematic must have looked for that. <laughs> just like, do, 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 beep, beep. <laughs> The thing with Watch Dogs is, because it's such a big game, there are so many levels you can point to and go, that's really silly, that's really silly, that's really silly. Like, the, the what is it, the rolling green mountains of Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's like a mountain resort, basically right next door. Huh. It takes you for like 10 minutes to drive to it. I have some friends who've been to Chicago and they've informed me that that's not, that's really not how Chicago looks. <laughs> that's Colorado, right? <laughs> the next state over. American states are smaller than our states, but not by that much, hon. <laughs> Colorado's a little ways away from Chicago, from Illinois. Yeah. I, I know. I, I was just pretending. <laughs> Even oh, okay. I'm not that bad at geography. I've been to Chicago, so. Yes, you are that bad at geography. Actually, I probably am. <laughs> but yeah. But I do can kind I, of I, know where Chicago uh, is because I watched you south one time. By one time, I mean twice the whole series or something. I did play something good this week. What did you play? I played Regency Solitaire. Yes. <laughs> Is that different from normal Solitaire? This one's about attending balls and and uh, and uh, decorating your 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 ballroom ah. and uh, 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 falling in love with the man of your dreams as Tevitan. Well, that's lovely. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand this but it's really good it's really well presented and the story actually is interesting for what it is that's pretty cool and as you as you as you play through the it's a really simple solitaire game you know uh you have your tableau you have your pile of cards you you either ascend or descend the, the ranks of the cards and you get gold and their objectives like you know Clear the entire tableau in this many hands. There, and uh, you can use the gold to get upgrades that give you like wild cards and special abilities that you can use in the later levels. <laughs> it's Solitaire the Gathering. <laughs> it's got RPG elements. <laughs> it's got a visual novel element. It does. It's really to be fair. Loving... Having a visual novel element basically means there's conversations and character portraits. <laughs> there's, there's there's a story to it. That's that's it. It also. The one thing that's come through in all the reviews of Regency that I've read, because, again, I don't read reviews in general, I just do read reviews from very specific people, like yourself, and it appears to be a very lovingly crafted game. (laughs) At the risk of sounding really pretentious, it sounds an almost artisanal kind of game. Perhaps, uh... 
they the uh, to my understanding, it's a it's a husband and wife team that, or not, I shouldn't say husband and wife, but uh, a couple who works who worked on it, and he's been making games for ten years. I think this was the first one she worked on. Yeah. So there's certainly uh, different perspectives involved, and I think they really do care about it because every time someone said anything positive about it, they've been just ecstatic about it. That's really cool. Well, we discussed before the. The the aspect of love going into a game is probably the most important thing. If if uh, if the person who made the game can sell you on the idea that they loved it, that really does help convince you that you should love it as well. When it comes I'm to not me. saying it's a you know clincher, but when it comes to also me, Felicia Day spent 32 hours in that game. Nice. <laughs> When it comes to video games, it really is all about soul. And I don't mean that just as a cheap kind of <laughs> reference. It really is about giving that game some sense of... Like, you have just contrasted Watch Dogs, a game which you can look at the strings pulling all the pieces around and it feels artificial and empty and somehow dead. Soulless is kind of the leading one-word criticism of uh, Watch Dogs. Yeah. After playing Assassin's Creed 4, where you talked about things like the feel of how the character moved, and then we mm-hmm. move on to Regency Solitaire, which is a smaller game, let us say, to say the least. <laughs> it's a little bit smaller than Ubisoft, I don't you sure. Yeah, but <laughs> it has that sense of soul. It's really remarkably don't say. fine-tuned. It's it's uh, it's all about love and a deeper devotion, <laughs> and and joy that comes out of sorrow. <laughs> On a note of Ubisoft sure. game, though, one thing I am a tiny bit hopeful for is that with the next release of an of an Assassin's Creed game, someone made a spin off about Evie Fry. I'm not sure who that is. Evie Fry is probably a playable character in Syndicate. I'm not trusting. <laughs> I'm not following that closely the advertising, and I'm not trusting what general impressions I've had so far. Yeah. But it appears to be that there is a lower-class assassin woman from Victorian London with a bowler hat and a corset and a knife and a hammer. <laughs> Isn't Syndicate like a cyberpunky kind of game? No, no, no. Assassin's Creed. Well, Assassin's Creed oh. Syndicate. The next. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> My bad. Not you. I really wish Unity hadn't turned out to be such a disaster. Yeah. Is that has, has there been much in the way of fixing Unity? I, I don't. I don't know, and I haven't wanted to, you know, try it because uh-huh. I don't want to spend money on it if it's still broken. Right. The last thing I heard about Unity was that it had gotten a 1.1 gigabyte patch. <laughs> now, to me, a gigabyte is not a patch. That's you know, unitary <laughs> structure. Commitment. Yeah. That's commitment. <laughs> but. Eh. Let's ask him to move in. Pretty much. I I don't I don't want to be too rude about Unity because a, a lot of what's bad about it's kind of been overdone and I know that Assassin's Creed is moving in this direction that isn't the direction I wanted it moving in and at a certain point I am not actually criticizing that game. I'm criticizing it for not being the game I wanted it to be. So mm-hmm. things like quick time event assassinations I'm like, eh, I don't want that, but that doesn't mean that's necessarily a bad mechanic. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know that people we know we know that people were you know not being truthful about about disliking quick time events. Look at Shenmue. Yeah. Uh, as I understand it, uh, it was sort of responsible. Like it, it was one of the leaders in putting quick time events into games, wasn't it? The for a time there, people were referring to them as Shenmue style. Right, and this was. Right after we'd gotten off the heel of games with just too many long cinematics where you couldn't do shit. 
Like, mm-hmm. the, this was when Final Fantasy had the fucking several minute long GF summons that you had no reason not to use in every fight. And basically when cutscenes weren't rewards anymore, when they became work and tedium. So guess what I'm post, saying it was is... was a post-Metal Gear Solid world, I think. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid kind of dialed that all the way yeah. up. Metal Gear Solid 4 is probably the worst of them. So what I'm saying is... Metal that... Gear Solid 4 lets you pause them, though. That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... I mean, it's basically... It might just be that Shenmue came out at the right time to have quick-time events. And this doesn't mean the quick-time events are a good thing or a bad thing inherently, but there was a it's time the... when they were a good thing... But it's the gameplay of the figure. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's... what I'm saying is, if we got a, a Shenmue 3, people might realize that actually they don't like quick-time events that much. Like With, with quick-time events as a structure, the thing... I, I personally feel that they are much like menu-based combat, where I once had this attitude of, like, it's always bad. I have come to be of the opinion that quick-time events are a perfectly acceptable form of user interaction but they need to be used well and properly and one of the things that you need to have it is that they need to be regular enough that the player has a reason to do them and they need to be interesting forks also there's things that they use better for than others like we have perfectly functional combat systems that you're interesting and engaging and you you know you have several different buttons you can use for several different attacks and there's sort of no reason to impose quick time events on that like why not just let the player have a fight sort of thing consider press w to hug leonardo yeah whereas doing shit during cutscenes as a way to spice up something which is otherwise more or less visual novel gameplay like if you just have cutscenes with dialogue and yeah you know maybe a choice here and there that's that's a totally different thing to going, okay, our combat system is going to be based around really shitty little minor chip attacks until you create an opening where you can perform quick time events at a thing. That's I don't a know, very a, different usage. Asura's Wrath was badass. I, I don't know that, sorry. Asura's Wrath is a but is a tiny little chip damage and then ridiculous cut, uh, quick time event cutscene combat. Yeah. The game. Like, there's, there's, Fair you, you fight against gods and, like, planets. <laughs> <laughs> you I, are a god. <laughs> once again, not saying this is always bad, but I, it creates a very different kind of game. And if you already enjoyed the combat as it was in this series before things became quick time event based, you are quite likely to be pissed off when they start. Mm-hmm. Shifting that balance to quick time events. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of something, anything to compare to Service Rat to, and I can't. <laughs> it it uh, sounds like, like God oh, of like, War, like, only more silly. Oh. Uh, how about like a Dragon Ball Z story arc ending? <laughs> you know, once Goku's gone Super Saiyan and the the, the bad guys gone to their la- their last three or four forms, they just sort of toss each other around the galaxy for a few episodes. And that's and that's the entire game of Asura's Wrath. It doesn't bother with the rest of it because that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad tactic, frankly. I am heartily in favor of games trimming away the stuff they don't want to do. <laughs> We're really good and really stylish at this one thing. Let's do that. Well, that was what I said about Bionic Dews all that time ago. Where mm-hmm. Bionic Dews, it, it's it can do roguelike top-down tactical stuff. It can do very sarcastic narration, and there are all these other interconnected systems that you'd kind of expect out of a roguelike game of that variety. And they're like, nah, screw it, we're not going to do that. We're not. We're not good at that. We don't care about that. 
you want to know what happens when you press the start button? It starts the game. That's it. Just, <laughs> shoom, we're gone. I would very heartily endorse that. Like, I, I think that a lot of games are not what they could have been because it was expected of them to have the things that other games had. And if they had, you know, had either the guts or the marketing permission to just go, no, we're going to do this bit. This is what we want to do. Another game in a similar vein, Shadow Warrior, the 2013 version. Oh, yes. That game is a fight box game. That game is just room after room connected by corridors of varyingly interesting shapes and with sometimes backtracking to make the rooms a little more interesting looking. But broadly speaking, it's, I move into a new room, there are lots of things I have to kill, let's go. <laughs> this is not at the all originals. unlike uh, Hyrule Warriors that I've been spending all my time on. It's, uh, and the original. It, it's a very shallow game. And the original Pinkula was the same way. Yeah. The original what's? Painkiller. Ah. Painkiller and Shadow Warrior and, um, what's the name of it? Hard Reset. Same same developer, same lineage, same general point of we do fight box Shadow games. Warrior is, mm. or is the new one? The new the new Shadow Warrior is, is Flying Wild Hog, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I think this might be why I have such affection for older games and newer games. You know, it's not like I don't like plenty of them, but, you know, the, the quality balance feels very different and i think that's just because what's stuck in my head from the old games are the ones where they were just you know doing one thing really well because you were more able to get away with that because you couldn't do everything so on a note why of... not just do one thing superbly on a note of a game a friend is currently playing right now um that changes that the, the you know that whole we well, do one thing near does Nier, it need to do everything well, by turns? The thing, the thing I found interesting about Nier is that Nier doesn't try and milk its mechanics too long. It jumps from, alright, we're doing a Zelda-style action-adventure. Uh, alright, we've kind of run out of things to do with that. Now it's a Toho-style <laughs> bullet hell. <laughs> eh, we've run out of things to do with that. How how about block pu- puzzling? How about block pushing puzzles? Okay, uh, how about mirror puzzles? Alright, uh, how about a text adventure section? Wait, what? And I liked that that, that Nier so, uses that. So it's Saints Row 4. Uh, yeah, Saints Row and Nier have a lot in common. Uh, particularly, That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, particularly in how thoughtful they are about being video games. Because at its core, one of the things that Nier has built into it is the idea of making the player care about a video game entity and then have to use that video game entity as something within the context of that video game. I know that sounds really vague. For anyone who's finished the game, they will know what I mean. The point being that Saints Row 4, in order to be Saints Row 4, has to be very aware of both that it is a video game and what video games about video games are like. Sure, but I mean that Saints Row 4 does quite a few different things, but it doesn't jump around the way that Nier does. Like, I found Nier down near unplayable. I, I can't shift game modes that quickly. I don't have it in me. And I'm not good at that many different, like, bullet hells. Bullet hells just fuck me up. I, I don't want to play them. They're not fun for me. Um, whereas Saints Row, I never had this problem. <laughs> Saints Row 4 does go to being a tank game. It also goes to being a text adventure. It... Saints Row 4 does a text adventure at one point? Yeah. Yep. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, But also, here's the other thing. Saints Row 4 is stupid. <laughs> and I'm happy if a game wants to do stupid things in the context of being a stupid game. But Nier is kind of supposed to be serious from what I can tell. I would say that Nier is metatextual. I guess what I would say is that the way it jumped around stopped me from caring too much about what was in the game. So... That's fair. Yeah. Whereas Saints Row, I am very easily able to care about what's going on in the game because I feel such a sense of ownership over it. Uh, Nier was just... 
I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have an entry point into it. I couldn't connect to it. I didn't like the people I was dealing with. I didn't care very much about them. And the framing device is something that already turns you right off. Oh, sure. I'm, I am checked dad out of game. dad games. Yeah. So, so you dad were just too just far from here. to make it okay. <laughs> that... that was awful. Oh, Thank worth you. it. Worth it all of it. <laughs> so, Talon, what have you been playing? I... Before answering, did you want to finish any of that? Ah, I think you all knew what I was going to say. Yeah, sorry. No, it's it's all good. I'm I just was double. I I can see Fox's face, so for me, I'm just I just can double check that stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't have stopped if I'd really wanted to finish what I was saying. Mm. <laughs> you could just keep going anyways. Yeah, you know that. I, fucking truck. Yeah, I, <laughs> look, ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> all right. I was already talking. Look, I... the truck is what the truck is what stopped the, stopped the bastard watchdogs. <laughs> So sure, fuck wasn't me because you can't control that. I, I still love the I, I still love that that kind of underscores how hard it is to like win an actual car chase. Like, what, what do you do? Like you pull over, they pull over, then what? You get out of your car, they drive off. What? Actually, I find that mostly the way you win a car chase is by making your opponent crash into something. That's what happens in the movies usually. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, what have I been playing? Okay. <clears throat> I've played a couple of games this week more than I usually do. Actually, I went on kind of a bit of a binge. Um, which included, amongst other things, Monster Bash, which isn't very remarkable or very good. Uh, but I also uh, played... Video game characters should not wear onesies ever. Yeah, I, I understand what you were trying for, Apogee Software, but the onesie doesn't work 20 years later. But... I don't know, there, there's like, uh, uh, the, the toddler, the toddler horror, horror game. That... Yeah, true, among the, the toddler can wear a onesie, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, a baby can wear a onesie, that's alright. On the other hand, this character was not a baby, but I thought he was, because no one else would <laughs> walk around with an ass flap. <laughs> anyway, I also played a little bit of The Marvelous Mistake, which I would like to continue talking about, but before we do that, I would want to talk about the Charnel House trilogy, which I had played some of, got interrupted, didn't finish, and the other night, while winding down, I thought, you know what? I got some distance into that game. I'll put a little more time into it. <laughs> I'm winding down before bed. I'll just play some horror games. And at three in the morning, I had just finished playing a horror game. I didn't sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why you don't see these things coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to giving up on games really quickly. <laughs> so, Alan, let me tell you about Foresight. <laughs> oh, shit. I just realized there is something I've been playing this week. We'll have to go back to that afterwards. Anyway, um, the Channel House Trilogy is a point-and-click adventure by Alcave Games. It's quite, shall we say, cost-effective. It's, you know, not a very long game, but it's also quite a cheap game. And it's... It's, it's, it's like it's like going out for a movie. Yeah. A movie is a very good comparison, actually. Um, particularly in that I was, I was going to compare, if I did a, a long write-up, in that this is the kind of uh, game where even if there isn't more of it, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, some games... When they're over, you're either, God, that was way too long. Why don't you end already? End, 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 you terrible bastard of a game. <laughs> that sounds like he's speaking from experience. Or they're like, oh, it's over and I was hoping there was more. But no, Channel House is just... Ch- Channel House is about as perfectly paced to me as Batman Arkham Asylum was. And I think the Batman Arkham, Arkham Asylum was really well paced. So that's not a sarcastic comment. That's <laughs> genuinely, I feel it was really tight and well done. Excellent. Uh, also, Channel House Trilogy is freaking amazing looking. <laughs> I glanced over your shoulder on several occasions. Uh, wasn't particularly impressed by the portraits, though they were definitely 
you know, of of that style that they were going for. They reminded me very much of, of games of that era. But holy shit, the sprites moving around on the screen. Oh. There was some beautiful animation in that game. Some really nice character artwork. Amazingly fluid, detailed work on all the sprites, which are quite large. It's That would be the work of Ikora I think. Good work, them. Yeah, I, I don't know who that is. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not well-versed enough to, to congratulate specifically. But yeah, whoever that was, you did an amazing job. Uh, background details and puzzles and flow were also really important. Like, point-and-click adventures games often had this problem where you would hit a brick wall because you're trying to catch on to the thread of logic that the designers were <laughs> waiting for you. Like, oh, you put the whiteout on the fence so the cat gets it on its back so you can use the cat to pretend it's a skunk. What? That whole sequence of nonsense kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas Channel House, despite being an inventory puzzler, does keep... Ivan, sorry, Ivan Ulyanov and Ben Chandler did the art. They're amazing. They they did amazing, <laughs> amazing work in Channel House. It, it's freaking beautiful. Uh, backgrounds are nice, vivid, crisp. The visual elements of horror, there are some things that it renders that are not conventional horror motifs and are also very hard to do. And they do them very well. Um... If you ask any graphic designer when they're starting out to try and make something look gold, they will usually give you a confused look because that's incredibly hard. It's that same genre of... It's the same... If you say so. (laughs) It's that same genre of challenging to render well. And Charnel House has a lot of that stuff. The Charnel House trilogy is just a really good looking game. It does a lot of good stuff with backgrounds. It does a lot of really fluidly animating characters you might notice i'm talking so much about the visual presentation because the actual content of the game is slightly challenging to talk about without kind of disentangling it all it (laughs) has a lot of i guess i can summarize it with there is a point where the protagonist you're playing looks out a window and has a self-reflective monologue and then makes fun of themselves for having that monologue so it's that, it's that level of self awareness above most point and click adventure games. But it also it has that self awareness without you know trying trying to be a comedy game. Yeah, it doesn't try to make it funny. <laughs> it's easy to be self aware when you're tongue in cheek the whole time. Yeah, in, in the in the case of that particular monologue, it's really quite mopey and sad. And if you've ever fun, funnily enough, if you've ever genuinely been in a sad place yourself, chances are you've had those thoughts and the character expressing them aloud and then making fun of themselves for it shows that they aren't they are trying to delegitimize their own sadness and that rang very sincere mm. with me uh it's actually there's a lot to, a lot to kind of fascinating about uh about Eternal House trilogy uh not just its presentation and its story but also its development like um what do you think of the music i have to shamefully acknowledge that i played it with the sound mostly off because the music was was done, uh, part of it was done by Jack Keat. You remember who Jack Keat is, right? Nope. Alan? No, I don't. I'm afraid. Uh, he the tall trees, castles in the sky. Oh, oh yeah, the guy who did the beautiful sunny, sunshiny. <laughs> wow, yeah. The, the this children's storybook. But another one of the people who worked on the sound uh, was the guy who won Curio- uh, Curiosity. Oh, so he actually got a job in video games. That's hooray. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. I I wanted to bring that up before I forgot to mention it because that's just a really neat thing about it. Big, big ups to that. I am sorry I did not listen to your work. I apologize. On the other hand, congratulations. You have now associated with Pete Molyneux and someone who's actually really cool and interesting in video games, Nina. 
and everyone else involved in that project, let's oh, be yeah, honest. It's, it's true, it's true. Um, the If you're into voice acting in games, Channel House has, um, well, nothing else, Jim Sterling's in it. Um, was that voice acted as well? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I listened to it with the sound off because my wife was trying to go to sleep next to me. Well, yeah, <laughs> that'll happen. <laughs> Probably need to take your headphones next time, I guess. Yeah, you know. Nonetheless, really, really good game. Hmm. Uh, what was the other thing you said? Oh, right. The Marvelous Mistake. I hey. glibly joked on Twitter after I played The Marvelous Mistake for about an hour <laughs> that I wonder how many of my friends li- had had to sign licensing agreements because they because the style of Sophia Take reminds me of numerous friends of mine. <laughs> and one of the developers of the game chimed into my Twitter feed and said, all of them, it's been so hard <laughs> keeping that a secret from you. I like that that was noticed even though you did not hashtag it or anything. So this guy was actually paying attention. Guy? I don't know. I, I, I... This person was actually paying attention to community discussion, not just skimming hashtags to monitor publicity. Uh, the, the Marvelous Mistake is a very rare stealth game in that it appears to be a one-handed game. I know that sounds a bit weird, hmm. but it's a very relaxing especially, time. Especially <laughs> given how good the mistake is. I did not think about it in that context, but <laughs> she is saucy. Uh, what is worth it? From what I can tell, playing Marvelous Mistake, you can't play a white dude. That's a thing. Uh, <laughs> well, the the kid is ambiguous, right? I don't. know. I, I have no idea what the kid is supposed to be, or if we're supposed to know. And I like that. I can't tell. Uh, but the master thief is a black guy. Yeah. Uh, but Mistake is a stealth game that is because some of the entities, like bro- broadly speaking in stealth games, one of the things that it becomes is a sort of slow motion puzzle where a lot of what you have to do is wait to observe a pattern or predict a pattern and then assume you can act around that. Mistake takes it the other direction. Guard movement is semi-random. Hmm. They will try and find shortest paths to sounds, but once they get, they, they won't go back to their particular paths or whatnot. They will actually act like okay. people roaming around a, a room, which does mean you can lure them away and get them, you know, stuck in plate, not stuck, but you can get them moving in a pattern that doesn't really bother you. The point being that no, so they do have patterns, but it's more like they try and create a pattern after you lead them to a place. No, not even. Uh, it, it's that if you it, if you lure them into a location, they will broadly speaking not snap back to where they were. They'll just roam around where they are, and typically speaking, in that drunk walk way, that won't necessarily take them very far from it. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not um, uh, it's not like they stop patrolling. As it yeah. were, once you lead them elsewhere, they just resume in a way that suits that area yeah. instead of going back to where they were. Yeah. yeah. The other thing about it is it's fast. Oh, yeah? Stealth Bastard liked to point paint itself as like it's a quick stealth game. Like when you fail, you die instantly. That made it more of a Super Meat Boy puzzler than an actual stealth game for my tastes. Whereas The Marvelous Mistake kind of nicely handles that tension between speed of play and still being a stealth game. Uh, the character moves reasonably fast. You get a nice, clear indicator of how much noise you're generating. There's like a laundry list of stuff you can do wrong when designing a stealth game, and Mistake does none of it so far. Hmm. And all that, while also being a fast-loading game with a wonderfully vivid visual style... I, yeah, at the risk of just doing the superficial stuff again, <laughs> I really like the way this game looks. I, I suspect there's a design element to this as well, because it's really clean, because it's mm. mostly big, block, bright, single colours. Yeah. Um, and because, like, the, the menu, where it's just, like, zooms out of the room, yeah. and you've got that 3D roof-off, you know, architectural diagram kind of, like, it's just lovely. 
I really liked looking at it, and I, I suspect that those choices served them quite well when they were, you know, trying to provide visual feedback on things like stealth and, and sound and Yeah, the music's great areas. as well. Yeah, class. <laughs> and I, I'm a little sad that the humble bundle it's in has passed now, because I'd be saying, but just just go get it. Just, like, <laughs> well, it, you can still say, just go get it. I can, I can, and I, I do recommend definitely worth it your time. It does exist on Steam, so. Yep, it's on Steam, it's on GOG, I think it's on Humble as well. Well, of course it's on Humble. That's where I got it. Uh, <laughs> well, being in a Humble Bundle doesn't mean you're permanently on the Humble Store, does it? Or does doesn't it? necessarily. But no. nonetheless, it is on the Humble Store. Uh, I have not had anyone heard anyone having problems with it on a technical level, so I don't know if you necessarily need the GOG money back guarantee kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it's a really, really fun, slick game. Uh, well, remember, Steam also gives refunds now, too. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, effectively, I recommend you get it and try it. It is... It's one of those games that I can recommend without really a lot of caveats. It's not like get this if you like, get this if you want. It's, no, it's it's just generally get a this really unless you don't like. Yeah, it, it's just generally a really good stealth game that manages to be quick and approachable and lovely to look at. It's <laughs> and unexpected levels of diversity. Yeah, Woo. yeah, just so, that's all I got. Is there any you multiplayer? Want to talk about that other game you played? Like, no, that would be the final clincher. <laughs> No, I don't want to talk about that other game I played. Astute listeners might be able to work out which is the other game based on what Dallin bought this week. But we'll leave it to you. I realize there's something that I've been playing this week. You know, if if you need a timely distraction. Please, please get us away from this fresh hell in which I find myself. I tried to warn you. I tried. <laughs> Doomsday prophet Jeb wearing a sandwich board saying, don't play, and the word is censored. <laughs> I um, I actually picked up something I played quite a long time ago now, like years ago, um, but hadn't finished at the time, which is, you know, comes up now and then as an underappreciated gem, but this is Radiant Historia. Ooh. Yes. Which is a... Uh, very sort of classic pixel-style JRPG. Um... With an interestingly different turn-based combat system, uh, not an action turn-based hybrid system, which I tend to hate the crap out of, um, and a, uh, I don't know if you'd say asynchronous, uh, it has a time-traveling plotline which keeps track of... There's there's a split right near the start, so you actually play through two different timelines, and there are points where you need to venture into one to get something to progress in the other. Um, so I guess it's sort of puzzle narrative with RPG combat, um, and really, really lovely sprite work. Um, I've been a little hesitant to play a lot of my older DS games, especially now that I'm playing them on the 3DS, because... For all that the DS was an excellent console and had a great library, uh, 3D on that platform was... Oh. <laughs> Every time someone brought out something in actual 3D on the DS, I was like, why you not draw pictures? <laughs> please, please draw the Just pictures. look nicer, draw pictures. Draw the pictures, please. <laughs> this this was a, a great and terrible shame for uh, Suikoden Tearcrest. Yes. Which was the DS spinoff, which was a really good Suikoden, I thought. Uh, possibly because I wasn't attached to the uh, continuity of the Suikoden series like a lot of people were. But I thought it was great. Um, on the other hand, it did 3D for most things, and the 3D looked very bad. So. Why would you make a Suikoden game without Gorbachev? Gorgeous without beautiful sprites? I don't know. I, I'm not sure what they were thinking. They could have done it. 
they the opportunity was there the character designs are mostly really cool and you know being a Suikoden it's got enough characters to have examples of you know lots of different things um yeah and Radiant Historia was smart enough to go okay we're gonna do the backgrounds in 3D but all the character work and all the you know detailed props and items and whatnot they're all gonna be really nicely done pixel art and this is what it we is beautifully animated this is what we can refer to as the dark and the alone design method alone in the dark did it the other way around oh did that wow that's a terrible idea painted backgrounds and th- and box kite 3d this yeah, is, 3d for what it's worth we've seen this in like a lot of other games this yeah. is how star ocean did it for several years as well yeah um and it, it makes excellent use of uh, of the DS's 3D engine as well. Like, the 3D that is in there, surprisingly good. I Often, if I stood still in a location, I would kind of forget that the background was done in 3D. It looked that good. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't tried Radiant Historia, it's worth getting. It holds up quite nicely. I would recommend holding down the start button when you load it if you're playing on a 3DS, because stretching pixels should be punishable. It's... The, the best summary I've heard for that was it's not Chrono Trigger... No. But it's really good anyway. It, I would say its biggest problem is that there's... Even when you significantly outleveled an area, there's no real brain-off combat, and it's not easy enough to avoid combats in those areas. It's uh, It also does the Chrono Trigger thing in that you can see when you're going to have to fight something, like entities exist on the map before you enter the battle system. Oh, I do like that. Yeah, so you can avoid them, but they all move really fucking fast, and you have to hit them to get out of their way. So it, it's actually just kind of a hassle. It should have been a little easier to slip past enemies. Um, because the nature of the system is that you can rearrange the turn order by delaying. Um, and if you stack your characters up next to one another, they just get repeated turns until the entire initiative order is just me, 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 me. Um, and the more you can combo things without your enemies getting an action, the better your damage is, the better effects you get. So it, it's quite well designed in that respect. Um, but it does mean that if you don't fuck with the turn order and, you know, stack your characters appropriately, it takes ages to kill things, even shit things that you can, you know, cakewalk past ultimately, but it just takes forever to do it. So you actually have to pay attention and go, okay, you can delay until now and you can delay until... So, yeah, there's there's no... there There's an auto-combat option even, but it's basically useless because you do itty-bitty chip damage if you're not in part of a big combo sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, so it, it definitely has some bad points, but it's... Uh, just, I, I'm surprised that it's so little known because it's really good at being a JRPG in a time period where a lot of JRPGs are kind of rote uh, and, and don't particularly have anything great to offer. Uh, check it out. We're good for retro gaming news. It also has a dual pistol wielding princess, which I know will appeal to some of our listeners. Which will appeal to me. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty cool. Um, they, they have an unfortunate prog- problem with, like, the earliest female character you pick up, where her costume is just ridiculous. <laughs> so, so much horribly sexualized as she has gigantic breasts and is more or less wearing a mini dress. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because she's, like, a soldier. So, everything else is sort of making perfect sense and you're liking this and it's playing nicely. And every time her portrait pops up on screen, you're like, Jesus Christ, that thing is... It looks like it's falling off in your character portrait. They can't have not noticed this. Yeah, anyway, minor gripe. Not uh, that much of a blemish on the overall coolness of the game. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit to print for the year of 1990. Brought to you by Brad Brunch's surprisingly accurate Doomsday Predictions. Isn't it better to know? Don't look at the sky. 1990, which statistically is well before the listener was born. (laughs) 
1990 was a year that saw, amongst other things, the Super Nintendo spreading in the United States and the Sega Genesis released in Europe, where it fast became very prominent. Also, the year that the Spectrum ZX was discontinued. Ah, the summer of love. Yes. What the heck is the Spectrum ZX? Basically, it's a it British, British uh, computer. Oh. Like, it, it rival it, it. It competed with the with the BBC Micro and the the, yeah. the C sixty four was the yeah. was the British computer. I, that is yeah, that is one I've never heard of. I'm kind of impressed. Yep. We we mostly Z- got ZX Spectrum. ZX Spectrum was kind of neat because it had these little rubber chicken keys. I want one. <laughs> is that uh, is that the architecture under the final Mega Man Zero? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the architecture Mega Man runs on, like the character. 1990 is also the year where companies like Team 17, who are responsible for amongst other things, the Worms franchise, Worms. were formed. It's at yeah. IOS Interactive were founded. Oh. The context of the time, you have Nintendo as kind of the big dog. You also had the spread of certain PC gaming fronts. So very much depend on where you were, wouldn't it? Like yeah. America loved Nintendo. Europe uh, did Britain and Europe very much into Sega. Despite what Britain will tell you, it's and part us. of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I actually meant to say Australia and Europe, and for some reason I said Britain instead. I'm not really sure why. Also, it's <laughs> the time when certain PC development, very important PC developments happened. So, first things first, it's um it it was a franchise game in the string of franchise games. It was on the Super Nintendo. It Ah good, Bubsy 2. <laughs> was it a Mario? Or it was a, a, Mario. a Mario. It was the Mario. It was Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> right. It it was kind of the one that gets held up as basically being flawless by modern standards. Possibly the best game ever made. Uh, it sold 17.89 million copies, which is a terrifying amount. <laughs> Proportionally, if you compare that to sales numbers from today, that's amazing. Consider that Lara Croft's most recent Tomb Raider outing sold, I think, what is it, 1.1 million units, and Squaresoft considered that a failure, so... Yeah. Alright then, we have a, another sequel in a franchise game, but this is a bit of a forgotten mid- middle child. I'm, I'm thinking Jeb will forgotten? probably have a chance. Tane Zelda 2. It is People still Z- remember that, even though no. it was yeah, a stepchild. It's a PC game. Ah. It's an RPG, and it's of a lengthy franchise that's sadly not really still going. Not anymore. One of the Ultimates? Yes. Hey. Yes. I fact. don't know which one, though. Is it one? Is it like Ultima Underworld? No, but it's the one that came out when Ultima Underworld was busy shaking shaking doors. Ah. Is, um, Ultima 6. Ah. Ah. Right. Which, you know, was unfortunately in that period where it was just another Ultima, because... <laughs> It didn't do anything too revolutionary. Well, it's kind of hard when you go from Ultima 4 and Ultima 5. Exactly. Because Ultima 4, Ultima 4 still does things that today no one would even think of. Yeah. Hmm. Ultima 4 has no final boss. It's kind of cool. Yeah. The entire point behind Ultima 4 is to achieve enlightenment and to master the virtues. How do you do that? Your virtues. Uh, well, you might be, well, like, uh, uh, Humility by, or you show humility by donating to the poor, and you show oh, okay, sac- you show it. sacrifice by giving blood. <laughs> I was gonna say I would have a real problem with humility, but if all I have to do is take care of poor people and make myself look great, I'm into that. <laughs> well, you also the game will also penalize you for for faking it, so to speak. I wouldn't uh, be faking it. I would be sincerely <laughs> helping the poor people. It's just that I happen to like doing that. It makes me feel like I'm great. It's uh, not, not really playing, an embodiment well, of humility. Well, how about justice then? <laughs> uh, can you not kill your enemies when they're running away? Yeah, I 
could probably do that. <laughs> probably. Well, there's no sport in it at that point. So Ultima 4 was basically a much deeper game than any players were expecting at the time. Ultima 5 built on that. Ultima 6 oh, kind of oh, just... Oh, oh, oh wait. wait. Uh, I actually... Uh, you, you, like like I said, Ultima 4, you, you achieved enlightenment. There are these, these pillars of virtue that you became the embodiment of. Ultima 5, a corrupt... Uh, yeah, an evil, corrupt force takes root, and instead of just being, oh, I am evil, so this is the evil I'm doing, which is evil, <laughs> they subtly pervert the the virtues that made you the avatar, like uh, uh, making them mandatory, uh, like justice uh, justice plays out in, well, you stole something, so off with your hand. I see. So these these core virtues, the entire game is about these core virtues just being perverted and distorted and used to control the the, the people of Britannia. It's mm. really good, and it also is informed heavily by playing Ultima Four. Right. Mm-hmm. Ultima Six, kind of, eh, yeah, it's there. It's an Ultima. It's not a bad Ultima. It's just it's not five or four. Right. Or or seven because seven was great. Yeah. Se- seven also can provide a, a major graphical overhaul and a whole bunch of different. Uh, approaches and mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's it, it is the middle child of the ultima series <laughs> that was pagan wasn't it no eight was pagan eight was, eight pagan. was pagan i remember that because that's the one i played all right we was, have... see i can't even remember which one was six <laughs> yeah which looked very nice but was i think mostly people who'd liked ultima hated it because there was no party <laughs> anymore and that was a deal breaker for it was a really different type of game yeah uh also we have a shooter in space because they realize that if you don't have ground, <laughs> it's way easier to render a flight engine. <laughs> Are you going to say, if you're in space, you don't have to draw backgrounds? You also don't have to draw backgrounds. Um, you do have to draw enemy ships from a whole bunch of different oh. angles, though, so that kind of winds up losing you some. So many shooters. 1990. Aren't I? That's elite. It started a franchise. Mm, I'm out. I, I really don't know shit about old school shooters. It's all good. It's all good. You got a, you got a guess for us, Jeff? It's Descent? Descent was five years later. Yeah. It's not X-Wing versus... Was it Wing Command? It's the very first Wing Commander. Wow. I didn't know it was that old. 1990. Right. I was thinking it was... I think the first Wing Commander was a little bit older than that, though. Yeah. Huh. She said enemy ships from different angles. Yeah. Does that mean this is uh, like fake 3D or actual 3D and not... Sprite. Sprites in a 3D space. Sprite okay. emulation. Oh, right, where they just sort of jumped between the different angles when they turned far enough. Yeah. yeah. I remember that kind of thing. All right. We have a Hail Mary pass from a developer that was failing. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Fox got it first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we could pretty much call that a tie. It was coming out of Jeb's mouth at the same time. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you know, Skype lag and stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. it was Final Fantasy, which, as we know, was Squaresoft figuring, we're probably not going to get to make another game. <laughs> Let's make a Dragon Quest knockoff. Holy crap, where did all this money come from? <laughs> Alright, we have a franchise installment uh, that was... <sighs> how to summarize it? The franchise it's from is now comically bloated. 
Ah, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> 1990 would almost be right for Sonic 1, wouldn't it? Uh, the Sega Genesis I think it was like 88 out. or 89, but it didn't yeah. get to the West until 90. Probably. The Sega Genesis didn't hit Europe until 1990, so the second yeah. Sonic... Second Sonic game? I seem to recall I was thinking of Sonic as being like an entirely 90s franchise, and I looked back and found that it had, in Japan, it had mildly edged out of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, it's a stealth tactical game. This is Metal Gear 2. Metal Gear 2. I think calling it a stealth tactical game gives the entire game away, doesn't it? <laughs> there's not a lot to choose from back at Well, there's not a lot that people have any idea existed to choose from in those days. <laughs> Alright then. It's... Uh, is it Metal Gear 2? Wait, is it Metal Gear 2 or is it Metal Gear Solid Snake? It was Metal Gear 2, but Metal Gear Solid Snake... Or, no, or, sorry, or, sorry, Solid not Sol- like- sorry, sorry. No, uh, Metal Gear Solid... Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake is the game. It's ah. not... You're not talking about Snake's Revenge. Snake's Revenge also came out in 1990, but I looked at that name and I can't tell a fucking thing about this game. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know oh, this game. did it not say Metal Gear on the beginning of it? it I, can, I can tell you about Snake's Revenge. Go on. Snake's Revenge is the American-developed, quote-unquote, sequel to Metal Gear that oh. we got instead of Metal Gear God. 2. Because Metal Gear 2 is really fucking weird. <laughs> How bad was Snake's Revenge then? Snake's Revenge had you playing uh, three different commandos, each with their own abilities, and that's unfortunately not like Lost Vikings. <laughs> oh. it, yeah, it doesn't sound bad to start with, but there's so many ways that could go wrong. Metal Gear Vikings definitely sounds like a thing that needs to exist, though. Metal Gear Viking just sounds like a heavy metal band. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a, a top-down perspective game that like you know you had the grenade guy the grenade guy's job was to throw grenades <laughs> and then you had the punching guy his job was to punch <laughs> and then you had the gun guy his job was to gun <laughs> gun have a and they were and they were commanded by solid snake wow right. so he was he wasn't even in the actual game he was taking on the role of commander he was basically yeah. an informed presence all right and like i said this was not this had nothing to do with kojima's ever Continuing the theme of people with credentials they probably didn't earn. <laughs> oh, Mega Man? <laughs> oh, po- uh, Populous? No! <laughs> no. No to both of you, I'm afraid. We're on fire. Yeah, that was... That was... <laughs> We're just burning left and right. That was mad burns. <laughs> no, uh, this is a Tetris knockoff. Oh. Oh. This is not the original columns, is it? No. Nah. No. Wait, it's the 90s? It's the 90s. There is time for clacks. <laughs> Sadly, it's not clacks. Damn! Not late enough into the great. 90s to be no. uh, Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine. You're close in that it's a tie into a franchise and it involves a doctor. I. Oh, Dr. Mario! It's Dr. Mario! Wow, yeah, that was suspiciously close. I just want to say this, you can cut this if you want, but I I always loved Mean Bean Machine because I can still remember the exact review of it from my cousin's Mega Drive gaming magazine, <laughs> which described it as, this time Dr. Robotnik vents his evil bent on Mobius's bean population. Daft old codger. <laughs> that was the entirety of the review. <laughs> It was wonderful. <laughs> All right, and now we're flowing over away from consoles into the PC territory. Weirdly, this was by year. Uh, if you arrange the releases by year, it just seems that PC games came out in the second half of the year and console games came out in the first half of the year. Possibly tied to the fact that the fucking Genesis came out in the first half of the year and the Famicom, had, the Super Famicom had come out at the tail end of the last Stop year. Stop saying Genesis, you yank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he means Mega Drive. He lives in Australia. He should be saying Mega Drive. I mean Genesis. You mean Genesis, and that's fine. I respect that. <laughs> The Sierra game that you... Which one? Yep, yep. It's a a Sierra game. It had a talking introduction 
and Sound Blaster integration. Is it good Barry Lugdens? Not Quest for Glory. King's Quest V? King's Quest V! No! Well done! <laughs> yes! With Cedric the Owl, who had voice acting. Fucking Cedric the fucking Owl. Is he John Reese davies oh. That is not good enough. Oh, no, he, he definitely was. I'm seeing Talon's face, and I think he wants to eat the owl. <laughs> Oh, I don't like that, Graham. Oh, God. It's like having Mickey Mouse narrate the game to you. Always trying to find a way to force a hoo-hoo into a sentence. Oh, fuck. Was that just his laugh? So he made no. a bad why is it a snake? Let me take a moment. First of all, uh, there's a new King's Quest coming out. Yep. It looks fucking awful. King's Quest V was one of the worst examples of Sierra puzzle design. There were things like a desert maze. There were there were three mazes in that game because that's what we really wanted in a visual medium. <laughs> fucking mazes. Well, people loved the mazes. Desert, the desert maze. You had to go. You could only go a certain number of screens at a before time. you oh, had oh to find God. water. Screen at a time mazes. Yeah, just like here's a oh, big fucking oh. area and there's no visual indicator. Oh fuck! I thought you meant just like maze oh, mazes. And the desert oh, oh, was identical, oh. except for except for the oasis. Yep. Oh, and the slightly creepy racist uh, appearance of probably not Bedouin people. I'm guessing there was no, uh, you know, clever thing where you could get a map before you crossed the desert if you did the right thing. No! You had to draw that <laughs> yourself. Because fuck you! In fact, like I, and remember, remember, you, you, you had to, you could only go so many screens before you drop dead of dehydration. That's exactly why a map would be a good idea. Yeah. By the way, in the desert, there is a puzzle item that is necessary for you to oh, avoid a game ending, a dead man walking situation, which happens, later, which happens in like you start the game, you you're like, there's a desert over to that side, but there's also a town. And in that town, there is a screen where, did you have that item from the desert? No? Sorry. Fuck you, dead man walking. Uh, walking dead. Awful. They have to put it in the one place you would never want to go back into. There is a point where you're climbing a mountain and you have food in your pockets. You have a hunk of ham and you have a pie. And as you're climbing mm-hmm. the mountain, the game goes, oh, you're, th- you're freezing. You need to eat. What do you eat, Fox? What do you eat? What do I eat? You have ham and pie. What do you eat? Well, if I'm clinging to the size of a mountain, that's going to be trouble, but I guess the pie. Congratulations, you just lost the game. Yeah. You eat the pie, several screens later, a yeti attacks you, and because you don't have a pie to throw at it, it eats you. Uh, Well, that's my fault for treating food like food instead of comedy weaponry, I guess. that's uh... Also, also with the the ham, you only eat half of it. Mm. Ah. If you then use the ham again, you cannot give the ham to an eagle who will save you from a rock. See, that's what I thought if I said ham, you were you were going to say, you know, well, you can't use the ham to distract a wild beast later on. Arbitrary punishment. Just Actually, imagine, just I also sort of thought that if I ate the pie, you were going to say, ah, oh, but then on the next screen, the ham attracts a yeti that eats you because exactly. you can smell the ham. Exactly. It's it's massive series yeah. of arbitrary flags. It's very pretty. Big ups to the people who enjoyed it. It's definitely a trial and error game. <laughs> but it is... Such was the nature of King's Quest in many ways, though, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of places where you just needed to know what to do before you immediately died. I will get. Oh, oh, uh, oh, uh, Fox! You said you don't like the like the screen of time mazes. Yeah. Well, the 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 last maze in King's Quest V is not only a, a single screen at a time maze that looks identical on every screen, but it also has shifting perspective. 
And there is a dead end in that maze, which you have to find, or you're a dead man walking. Of course. So you see, um, Mike- and you have to have the tambourine <laughs> from the start of the game in order to make sure the giant monster gives you his uh, hat. Yeah. He plays a wicked drum solo with you. I, um, yeah, see, my, my idea of a maze is, like, a series of walls that you can look at and try and plan your way through. Like, just wandering between, you know, that's, that's like saying it's a maze where you just, like, press one, two, three, or four for every, Mm -hmm. like, you know, east, south, west, yeah. Uh It's not really a maze, exactly, is it? It's, it's just a roulette wheel at that point, surely. Oh, oh, oh! Speaking of the the the, the, de- the mazes, desert maze. Uh, there, there's a. If you leave it at the wrong place, you die. It's brilliant. You get stung by a scorpion and you die. <laughs> so there's not even a reason, really. It's just ah, no so, flag. Nope, that's that was the, the wrong way instance. to go. Yeah. There's only one stretch of sand in the desert with no deadly scorpions. Sierra bullshit was pretty high. And this was with a reasonably new engine. The art assets were big and impressive compared to what they used to be. So the bullshit quantity... <laughs> that sounds quite special even for them, I have to say. <laughs> just the, bullshit bullshit. Came, the bullshit came through. Stunning <laughs> clarity. All right. Goodness me. Oh, where were we? <laughs> we're still in PC games. We're still in retro gaming news. Yes. Right. Hey. Okay, so I have talked about this game in the past quite a few times. This is a game that used smooth scrolling on the PC. This is a game which became part of a franchise. Uh, it ties into an existing franchise. Thief? Commander Keen. Commander Keen. Yeah. Yes, it was uh, uh, id Software successfully cracked the idea of getting an EGA card to do smooth scrolling and buffering, <laughs> which it actually did. Because <laughs> Carmack's a wizard. You, you John Carmack say. is a wizard. <laughs> id came up with, uh, with, with a solution to a major software problem <laughs> that revolutionized what you could do with that hardware. Yes, yeah. uh, again. Yeah. There you go. Again, yes. Which, which time was this? Actually, I think this is the first time he did it. <laughs> Goodness me. All right. We have a... Well, apart from, apart from you know, like, learning how to, how, to, how to program by reverse engineering Mario. Two to go. We have a game that defined a genre of business Mist. management. Oh. Business, business management. Business management games. <laughs> um, um, to the point where now so, there are games coming out that have no basic relationship to this game that use part of this game's name to indicate, hey, I'm this kind of game. <laughs> oh, uh, Transport Tycoon. So close! What was before trans- Transport Tycoon? Railroad Tycoon. Railroad Tycoon! Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I had no idea for that one. I was just waiting for Jeb to get it. Yeah. Uh, Railroad Tycoon, which really was pretty good. Transport Tycoon was better, but Railroad Tycoon was pretty good. Dad, no idea that was that old either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you still see Tycoon games now, huh? Yep. I reviewed some. Alright. Alright, he's got quite good, a look on his face. Best. Is it Loom? Oh my god, is it seriously Loom? <laughs> I didn't even... Uh, uh, that doesn't count because I hadn't asked any questions yet. <laughs> it's a musical game from developer Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, That's twice now, Jeb. I will have my revenge. <laughs> Ellie is also prepared. <laughs> There's our cliffhanger. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the 26th episode of the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Until next time, that's been Fox. That's been Talon. And that's been Jeb. Tune in next week when we finally let Talon get a word in edgewise.
<laughs> which one's the real which one's the real much legs <laughs>